Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 252 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. As always, Adnan, how are you doing this fine evening? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well, and because I have a platform to myself that I will selfishly use right now, I would like to tell everyone to never fly Frontier. Uh, there you go. That, that, yep. that, is, that, that is all that I will say right now. Yes, so we have, you know, advertisers hit us up if you want a positive review. We also have the shitless segment, uh, which Frontier is now, unfortunately, a part of. So, you know, Frontier, if they want to advertise, then we'll take it all back. But, you know, please, uh, until then, uh, Frontier officially on the Falcoholic Live shitless. So, uh, not on the shitlist, however, is Dave Choate, the Falcoholic himself. Dave, welcome. Uh, How are you doing this evening? I mean, not yet. We'll see. We'll see. Right. How... For everything. Yeah. There's 60 minutes left of this program, so we could change things by then. But Dave, how are you doing tonight? Good, good, good. Happy good to, to happy you. to be back. It's been a little bit. Yes. Well, Dave has you know been dealing with the tortures of the damned, mostly the Falcons, of course. But uh, you know that that's just part of the job description, unfortunately. But uh, happy. Yeah, Dave, to... for the last two months, has been telling us, "Oh no, guys, I'll, I'll be on the show next week. Oh, next week for sure. It's next next week. week. Don't worry. I just yeah. went out for a pack of cigarettes. I was coming right back. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And so. you can hear him, guys, in the background. We have with us a very special guest for the first time, Joe Patrick at J A Patrick two hundred on the Twitters. He is also. Uh, on 92.9 as the Atlanta Falcons reporter, also manages the Atlanta United site over SB Nation, Dirty South Soccer. Uh, Joe, welcome. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I it, This feels surreal. I've listened to the podcast so many times. I've tuned in for the live show so many times. So it's like meeting your heroes here. Uh, well, we already <laughs> met. At, at, at yeah, we did. Yeah, we but, did. Uh, yeah. But, um, but now we're doing it. So it's fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got to, like, like Joe said, we got to meet in person, talk a lot about the team. So uh i know we had been like twitter sort of uh back and forthers before but it, it you know when you put a face to the name and you get get to meet a little bit that that really seals the deal uh and you were very complimentary of us at training camp so that definitely gets you a podcast appearance uh so, so <laughs> contractually my obligation has now been fulfilled but joe welcome and guys we're gonna dive into the first preseason game which did not suck uh for a change so the falcons actually win this game uh 19 to 3 wasn't quite as dominant, especially in the first half, as the score might suggest, but uh, some good plays, lots of nice stuff that we saw. Unfortunately, some injuries as well that we'll have to talk about, but we will get into all that. Uh, and before we do, want to bring you a quick word from our sponsor real quick, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Maybe you're feeling overly confident in the Falcons, want to bet on them to win the NFC South. Maybe you think D. Alford's going to come. Uh, I don't know what the over-under is on D. Alford punt return touchdowns, but I, I would think it's probably one. So if you think you can replicate what he did in this preseason game, then probably probably some money to be made there. You know, probably not a lot, but but something. But no matter what you want to bet on, guys, bet online is your sports until headquarters this season. This They've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. We got a full house here. Uh, a lot of us, obviously, all of us watched the preseason game. Uh, 
it was an interesting game. Uh, but Joe, as our guest of honor, I, I'll let you open the discussion. What was sort of your biggest takeaway or the thing you want to touch on first from this preseason game, which was actually somewhat entertaining for a change. So I'm ha- definitely happy about that. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it's it's obviously tough to take too much away from it when there's there's one there was one starter who played the entire game. That was Parker Hesse. <laughs> yep. I, I asked Arthur Smith about him today, by the way, because he was like the only one. He played the entire game. He played the second most staffs to Logan Woodside. And he basically said it was just because they needed some yeah. a tight end out there. John Fitzpatrick had a thing, so he couldn't play. So um, but anyway, you weren't seeing the starters, but I thought you saw, especially defensively, just an identity, you know, and the identity that we've been hearing a lot about from Ryan Nielsen, from Arthur Smith, you know, and what we thought it would be with the players that they've signed. And obviously we didn't see some of those, you know, the big names that they signed in free agency, but it was just so good to see again, that identity. And it, it was, it's so different from, especially last year that where they were so kind of then, but don't break playing off, you know, off receivers a lot. And, and in this game, they were, aggressive just up in in the Dolphins faces and it burned them at times it's not like they were perfect they gave up some some big plays but um you know obviously they stiffened up in the red zone and I just thought that that was kind of the overarching takeaway was just seeing it in person was so gratifying honestly yeah yeah I mean it was it's really nice to see uh obviously you love to see the depth and Parker Hesse I just assumed that he was so integral to everything the team does they just like could not have Parker (laughs) Hesse like he's it all falls apart without Parker Hesse we know this so yeah no very good points there yeah go ahead didn't he spring the key block on that Godwin (laughs) Igwebuike touchdown yeah like like that that was the play like that opened him up yeah so, I mean, love to see that, of course, and got it. You know, I was definitely not upset to see at least one starter in action uh, this week. But uh, we'll go next to, to Dave Choate. Dave, uh, what would you like to touch on to get us started on this game? I know uh, Joe brought up some good points if you want to continue on some of those, but interested in your thoughts as well. Yeah, no, I think uh, I'll, I'll throw a curveball and I'll start with Logan Woodside like how many times over the years have we seen the Falcons third quarterback go out there and just aggressively make us wish we weren't watching that football game like you know no offense to to anybody from the past but like seeing that level of confidence from a guy that you know you hope you don't have to count on but maybe you do um was really nice I thought and like I I thought you know I've been thinking since they signed him like Logan Woodside really but um that was kind of confirmation that it's a little bit better than I thought he was. And, and as an emergency option, if they're going to keep him, which I think they're probably likely to, um, it's nice to see that. So I, I thought that was great. Um, I thought pretty much everything I saw from both sides of the ball was, was you know, good to excellent. Um, the one thing that I guess I want to see more of this coming game um, is just separation at receiver, both literally and figuratively. Um, you know, Zay Malone, I thought, played well. Um, but Frank Darby, unfortunately, now out of the picture. And I, I didn't think we got enough of a look at everybody else to say, like, oh, this guy's clearly out in front for that fifth receiver job. I assume, personally, they're only carrying five. So um, otherwise, it was just nice to watch an entertaining, competent game that they broke wide open at the end. Like, I, I think, you know, Breon Borders is going to be an interesting player because you have that two-week suspension at the beginning of the year. And then what do you do with him? Like he's done nothing but make plays. Um, and, you know, maybe he's just a preseason hero, but I feel like he's probably more than that. Um, and they have already a bit crowded at corner, you know, if Mike Hughes isn't going to be out for, you know, a lengthier amount of time. So 
just question question marks that came up for me, some things that I liked, but um, overall, like any preseason game, I'm always saying, you know, don't read too much into this. I read a little too much into the defense. I'm going to do it again if they do it against the Bengals. Like yeah. seeing that from the backups is awesome. Oh, yeah. It's been so long. I mean, it, it, it's been so long since we've seen the second string defense not look like a complete disaster. I mean, most of the time, even the first string defense looks like a complete disaster. So that was, yeah. you know, they got some pressure. We got some picks. We got some sacks. You know, I mean, it was it was nice to see. Certainly uh, not going to complain about any of that. And I agree with you about Woodside, too. It's It's nice to have. It's been a nice change there as well, right? Watching a third-string quarterback, which typically in the preseason would be like the Falcons go to their third-string quarterback, and it's like, all right, we could probably turn this off because they're not going to move the ball. And Woodside didn't have a spectacular game by any means. I mean, he had to play behind, you know, varying degrees of offensive line quality, and you could see in the second half that really nosedived. But, um, you know, kept the offense on schedule. I think he was generally accurate, and, and I think got the ball where it needed to be, and the offense as a whole was, was watchable in the preseason, which is... Again, never a given. So uh, happy to see that too. Toledo legend, uh, Logan Woodside. Uh, and that's definitely a topic for later in the show too in terms of roster implications because I think Woodside, you know, is a guy that you certainly think is is going to make them consider keeping a third quarterback on the roster, particularly with the new quarterback, uh, third quarterback rule, uh, which basically lets him be like a free active on game day as an emergency quarterback. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Um all right, last but certainly not least, to get us started, Adnan, what do you what do you want to dive into here right off the top? Well, you know, these guys mentioned it. It was just nice to see a relatively dominant performance. And I know people are going to come out and be like, oh, well, you know, it was a second and third stringers. But, you know, how many years have we watched the second and third stringers just get their brains beaten in, in, in these preseason games? It's nice that they played so well because this is your depth. Like these guys just because they were playing in this preseason game just because they're not technically the starters it doesn't mean that oh yeah like they're never going to see playing time it's the nfl it's the most brutal sport you know in existence well one of the most brutal sports in existence there's going to be injuries these guys are you know going to represent your depth and this is you know watching the game i just sort of had this thought that yeah this is the deepest this team has been in how many years? I mean, at the very least, since 2018, at the very least, if not even earlier. And I mean, those cuts are going to be absolutely brutal to make. There's going to be some really good players that will not have a place on this team. Whereas, you know, even last year, there were some players that were on the roster that should not have, you know, had a place on any NFL roster. So this is a really nice change of pace. Um, I like that we saw some separation in that punt return battle. I, I think the coaches have been waiting for that. We saw the D. Alford uh, punt return touchdown. Uh, I really like what we saw from Godwin Igwebuike, uh in, in the run game. He's someone to really watch out for in that wide receiver four battle. Uh, I really like, uh, I want to give a shout out to a couple more guys, DeMarco Helams, who yeah. you know, he had the interception and he led the team in tackles and he was just everywhere in stopping the run. And then another game, uh, another name that people aren't really talking about as much, and I get it because he plays that very unsexy interior defensive line position, Albert Huggins. Albert Huggins had a really strong training camp, and he was really, really good in this game. I think PFF graded him out as the best defensive player on the team. He constantly was around the ball, constantly 
putting pressure on on each of the quarterbacks and you know this is one of those guys who you know he could be another one of those bargain bin sort of interior defensive lineman that just absolutely sticks on the roster like we saw from Timmy Horn last year Taquan Graham a couple of years ago even though Taquan Graham was technically a fifth rounder but you know Terry Fontenot has seemed to have a knack of finding those you know productive defensive linemen sort of out of nowhere which is a really really good trait really good quality to have and you know the team dominant performance outside of some first half Dolphins drives where they you know got to the five yard line and then the Falcons turned into the 85 Bears inside the five yard <laughs> line so we'll take we'll take it how we can get it uh, but the second half was just pure dominance and it was to the point where they pissed off the Miami Dolphins broadcasters enough to the point where you know they were complaining about everything and bringing up the Super Bowl so uh, I take that as a big win. <laughs> Giant dub right there for that yeah they were uh they were very unhappy. The haters the were seething and coping. Yes. It's, it reminds me of like last year with the Jets joint practices where like the Jets writers were just like adamant that the Jets won the practices. But then like everybody else was like, I mean, it was kind of even, honestly. Like it wasn't that, it wasn't like that. But, you know, it, it, it's like we keep telling everyone about the Falcons like, oh, yeah, we think they're going to improve this year. They're probably going to be a, a playoff team. Um, And then you still see the tweets like I can't remember who it was, but it was like, oh, the Falcons abysmal defensive line is, you know, giving the Dolphins offensive line fits. So they must be really bad. It's, clearly, you guys haven't paid any attention to anything the Falcons have done because they've totally overhauled the defensive line and it shows. So, um, yeah, no, I wasn't that like that. One of those like NFL central. Accounts yeah, it was one of those run bad by accounts. Yeah, Probably, yeah. So. NFL notifications, XXO, you no. know, apostrophe. I don't know. Whatever you have to do to get the to get the ad, I guess. But um, yeah, it's uh, that was that was definitely fun to see. But yeah, I mean, you brought up a great point on on about the red zone defense, and I think that is something that translates. Like, it, I think it it shows something when you can be so successful in that red area, because that is the area that, that counts the most. I mean, obviously it would be great if you don't give up, you know, gobs of yards in between the twenties and, you know, in a regular season game, they'll probably kick some field goals there. Now, and I, honestly, I think the dolphins were actually right to go for it all those times. Like I would prefer that teams generally go for it if they get that close, but Joe, I'm curious what you think about that. Do you think, how excited were you to see the red zone defense look just so good? I mean, they, they stonewalled him, you know, over and yep. over again in the red zone. What did you think about that performance? Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, that was that was great to see. And this, I'm not going to take away here from the game, but actually, just watching practice today, they were doing some red zone work right in front of us, so you get it, get to see it up close. And they had the starters in, and it's really daunting to look at. You know, when you've got Calais Campbell. Um, you know, Zach Harrison, Bud Dupree, like these like big guys, you've got f quick linebackers in space. And then you have what I think is like brilliant. What Terry Fontenot has done is in several positions, but especially in the secondary, you have such a vast array of different physical players with different physical traits. So you've got like everybody from a, a Trey Flowers to a Clark Phillips and depending on the situation of the game, the players you're going up against, you know, going up against the matchups you might see, you could use, you know, different players in different situations that you think are going to give you an advantage. And so when you have those big bodies, I mean, I was just thinking, man, it, it must be so hard to be an opposing quarterback to to even try to like see your targets out there when you've got, you know, such such big guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see them do that. And again, I think that's going to be kind of a. Uh, 
something of a trademark of this defense in Arthur Smith always talks about like the crucial downs on, on both sides of the ball, th- offensively and defensively. What, what is Ritter doing on third downs, you know, on these crucial downs. And I think defensively too, and in the red zone, it's just something that this team really keys in on. And with this, you know, physical aggressive defense that Ryan Nielsen wants to install, I think that it's going to to probably reap the biggest dividends when you get to that p- portion of the field and you have corners who are, used to just being man you know man up against someone in real tight quarters so uh, it was great to see but i honestly think that we're going to see it in even better form potentially when you get the starters in there against some of these teams they'll be facing this year no i i think that's absolutely right and i think it's it's really important to be good in the red area it's something that the team has really struggled with in in years past and we know how much of an emphasis that nielsen is going to place on on the red zone defense but the run defense is a big part of your red zone defense because teams are always going to try to punch it in when they get close. And, you know, that I, I think the tackling in this game was kind of suspect uh, from the second team and third team. But I think the fits like I, I think there were guys had opportunities to shut down pretty much every big run that happened in the backfield. Um, and you're going to miss sometimes like that's always going to happen. But, you know, I, it being the first preseason game, guys haven't really gotten to full speed tackle like at all. I mean, even in even in joint practices, you don't tackle full speed because it's just not you don't do that until you get to an actual game preseason or otherwise. So I'm not surprised that the tackling was a little sloppy. If it continues throughout the rest of the preseason, maybe that's something we start to hone in on. But I think it's it's overall, I think the run defense looked fundamentally sound outside of the tackling, and so hopefully that's something that can get cleaned up. But we know how much of an emphasis Ryan Nielsen's gonna place on that and by extension the rest of the red zone and when you got those guys out there, like you mentioned, I mean, this should be a very imposing front for that run stopping. And they've seemed to emphasize that in all of their offseason acquisitions, whether that's, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Clayus Campbell, one of the premier run defending defensive linemen in the NFL at this stage of his career. Still a good pass rusher, but he's maybe the best edge rusher, uh, three, four defensive end against the run, according to PFF last year or the year before. Um, so he's still elite in that area. And then you've got, these guys like like Zach Harrison, you know, what can he bring? He's also got that imposing size. They got Bud Dupree, who's a good run defender, Lorenzo Carter. Um, so they, they have a lot of guys, and they can rotate a lot of guys too. And you know, they've upgraded the I mean, interior. We saw it, yeah, yeah. We saw it in camp. Uh, I remember leading off our notes, news and notes articles on the first two or three days of padded practices, and just saying, "Wow, like the Falcons' run defense is absolutely dominating right now." Like we were, you know, of course, Bijan Robinson is the shiny new toy. And we remember just how good the Falcons were in, you know, road grading and in rushing offense last year. And, you know, we're expecting them to be very good again this year. But I just remember there was not a single, you know, long run or, you know, even intermediate run that we saw the first two or three days during during padded practice and that's that's before Calais Campbell came by I genuinely think that this Falcons run defense has a it has a ceiling of being a top three run defense in the NFL and I know that that sounds you know the Falcons have a top three anything defense in the NFL sounds like an exaggeration but I mean Ryan Nielsen really emphasizes that and look at his background coming as a defensive line coach from a New Orleans Saints team that was you know very good stopping the run for years uh and now you know if if the falcons can be as good as i think they can be and stopping the run that 
that just sort of raises the ceiling so far for this team. Yeah, absolutely it does. And it's something I'm really excited to see because it's if you're a team that wants to run the football, the other side of the coin is you have to stop the other team from running the football because you don't want them doing what you're trying to do to them right back to you. And that kind of ruins the whole plan. So I think it makes a lot of sense for the Falcons to, to, to show up, uh, to shore up that part of the defense. And yeah, Joe, did you have something you wanted to add there? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to just touch on what Adnan said and, and say that, you know, you talk about it being potentially a top three run defense. I think that that's actually, it's an important point to make to not necessarily to say that they're going to be that, but I think that people, overall with this team need to kind of um, make an adjustment in their heads because the the pieces that this team added to a team that was dealing working with like half of its budget last year like it's a totally different team and it's a testament to what the coaching staff did with those previous teams to, to have them especially last year like very few people were saying they would win if you said more than five games people would kind of look at you sideways and so to win seven games to you know be in playoff contention for most of the year was so impressive. And now you've just added such quality. I think sometimes people, I was talking to Will McFadden about this too. It's like, sometimes I feel like people are kind of hesitant to predict such like a, a large improvement, but I think especially with this Falcons defense in particular, it's just such a vast upgrade so quickly in all areas and on the coaching staff and the players that you brought in, I think they are primed potentially to, to make that jump that, that you just described there. Adnan. Yeah, no, that's an ex- excellent point. And uh, yeah, I, I want to get Dave's input on this as well. Uh, Dave, what do you, what do you think about uh, the red zone defense, the run defense, everything that we've been, uh, we've been talking about here. Top 10 across the board, baby. Let's call it. <laughs> Let's do it. We're, exactly. we're, we're doing it. We got it. You guys. Yeah. All right. All right, you guys um, heard it here first. You can, you guys can add Dave on Twitter if the Falcons are not a top ten. At defense. the Falcoholic, yeah. No, no. All right. Well, thanks for humbling me again. I, I got out over my skis, but, um, but no, it's it's great to see, and and obviously, you know, the run defense with the starters is going to be drastically different um, than we got with the reserves, and I, I think that's the thing maybe I'm most excited to see against the Bengals and Joe Mixon is just how does that first team defense look against the run? Because the personnel is there in a way that it's not for the reserves. And like the, even you look at the cornerback depth chart, you look at safety, um, they're, they're pretty deep there, right? So the secondary I feel like was showing just how capable and deep it can be and how fortunate the Falcons are to have the reserves they have there. It's not quite the same in your front seven, um, especially that inside linebacker where, yeah, there's they're, they've got some guys there. That's that's what I'll say about that. There's some, there's need some more guys, guys. Um, NFL players. Yeah, <laughs> they got NFL players. But you know, so that run defense to me is going to be one of the more interesting things to watch because I do agree. I, I think they have the personnel. They have the mustachioed defensive coordinator who cares about stopping the run. Like they've got what they need to get that done. So, red zone defense too. Um, you know, it, if we get to the point where it is what Dean P's dreamed of it being which is, you know, okay, whatever happens between the 20s, I can be grumpy about it, but, you know, it's what's important is you get that stop inside the 20. Um, you know, we, we had a little bit of that at times, but it was inconsistent. So I think, again, personnel's there, desire's there. I, I don't think there's any less of a focus on that from Ryan Nielsen. So as long as these guys stay healthy, um, as long as we see little glimpses of, of it um, over the next couple of games, I, I feel great about it going into the season. Again, top 10. 
Top 10. Top 10. You heard it here first. Bold takes here from, from Dave Choden. We did get a $5 donation from Corey, uh, who's throwing $5 in here in honor of Joe, just because he likes to cause trouble. So. Uh, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> Got a listener in. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, yeah. No, I mean, you guys raise great points about that. And uh, obviously the the progress of the defense from being a bottom tier unit to hopefully being closer to league average or, you know, maybe better if we get lucky. Defense can be more variable than offense. So giant leaps for defense is not unheard of. You know, I'm not willing to go as high as Dave yet, but we'll, we'll let Dave sort of... Uh, Dave, you can be the, the, the sole owner of that top 10 uh take and and you'll be able it's to come back and bite yeah too. you'll be able to relish in the glory when it comes true because i'm, I'm certain that it will definitely yeah. but um yeah there's there's a lot of there's so much to get to from this game it was interesting um one thing i wanted to touch on is the the you know going down the list like i mean i think the depth running backs both looked pretty good although i will say that i think godwin Ingwebuike, who has been with the team only for a couple weeks i think he was the more impressive of the two running backs. And obviously with his flexibility as a returner, that could give him a leg up in that competition as well. Um, and, you know, Carlos Washington Jr. didn't have the most efficient day, but I thought overall he also looked fine. Didn't look quite as explosive as Iguibuike, but um, definitely was didn't look out of place out there. Um, curious if you guys have any, any takes on how that RB4 battle is shaking out, particularly with the news that Patterson's likely to uh, miss up until the beginning of the season here. I thought Carlos Washington Jr. had a, had a really good start to training camp, and not not to say that he's been bad lately, but I I do think it seems like he's maybe plateaued or tailed off just a little bit. It seemed like earlier in camp he was he was breaking some more kind of big runs on that outside zone, and it seemed like in the game against Miami it, it was Godwin. I'm just gonna stick with Godwin because I will just butcher his last name every time I say it. <laughs> uh, but it seemed like Godwin was able to more take advantage of some of the opportunities that he had. Um, not just with, with the carries necessarily, but just with what he was doing with the blocking that was set up in front of him. And uh, and but what I like about this pairing is it almost it feels like Godwin is kind of more of your uh, your lightning to Carlos Washington's thunder. And so it's kind of nice that you again to kind of go back to this thing where, with them, um, Terry Fontenot in the front office assembling, you know, just various different kinds of player profiles and all these different roles. I think you have a nice kind of combination there between those two players. I would probably expect them to both be on the practice squad to start the season if they don't get claimed by anyone else. And then they can, you know, if, if Algier goes down with something or, or they need somebody like that, then you probably go to Carlos Washington jr. Or, you know, otherwise you might go with Godwin. But I think, um, I think both of them have some potential to just kind of be, be your Caleb Huntley for this year. Yeah. And, you know, we're sort of still looking to see if they'll keep four running backs because last year, you know, they kept four, but Avery Williams was the punt returner. So, and like a core special teams player. So, you know, it'll, we'll see if, if Iguibuike can sort of make his name on special teams. He was playing some special teams like coverage and things like that. So it's possible that if he carves out enough of a role there, he can stick as the fourth running back, particularly if Patterson's going to miss any time to start the season. He'll seem, it seems like he'll probably make it, but that is definitely one of the ones to watch. Um, yeah. Anyone else have, have running back thoughts before we move on to uh, another exciting offensive position group here? Um, I I do think they'll keep that fourth running back. Um, and I think we were reminded of it with the Cordero Patterson news today. As much as we all love Cordero Patterson, he has not been very durable in his time in Atlanta. Uh, he's had his, you know, string of really good weeks, but, you know, he sort of always tapers off 
uh, in the last quarter of the season. Last year, he had the the knee scope, which landed him on IR. And, you know, now, I mean, he'll be reevaluated before week one. Like, what, that's not a guarantee that he'll be ready on week one. There's there's a big difference in wording there. Um, so we don't even know if he'll be prepared for the first week of the season. And even if he is, uh, I don't. I don't think that they want to burden Cordero Patterson with uh, a lot of carries. I think they want to keep him fresh. They they want to they want to use him as a little bit of a specialist. You know, a little bit in the receiving game. Obviously, we we know his prowess as a kick returner, but Patterson is going to be in there as that wide receiver or that running back three. But it's not going to be your traditional, you know, workhorse RB three. Uh, then you, of course, have Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, who will be taking the bulk of of the touches. But you still want to have that, you know, that bit of depth behind them, in in case either of those guys gets hurt. And you know, we know that the running back pr- position is one of the most at risk positions in, in this sport when it comes to those injuries, to those you know nagging pains, so to speak. And you know, I. You know, I'm with Joe. Uh, Carlos Washington, those first few days of camp were incredibly impressive. And, you know, not to say that Carlos Washington isn't, you know, playing well now. I, I think he played a lot better than the numbers suggested in that game against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, just 27 yards. But he was he was really going through some contact. Uh, you know, a lot of contact that was being met in the backfield. I definitely think Godwin Iguibuike looked a lot better. And I think Godwin Iguobuike is going is at the moment the favorite just because you know because of his prowess in the special teams and you know because of his experience there uh, he's gonna be in that kick returner battle I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more reps in the kick returner battle Um, but definitely you know he uh, I would right now pencil him in as as my RB4 to make the 53-man roster yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I like Iguibuike a lot. I and this he was he was definitely flashing early, like because I I think we only saw, I know I only saw like two or three practices of him before I had to leave Atlanta. I know he's been there, you know, over I guess a couple of weeks now. But um, yeah, the the game certainly helped him. I think sort of stand out more because I think the two of them were sort of neck and neck before. So we'll see how that progresses over the rest of preseason. But on the 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 topic of the return battle, um, D Alford with that spectacular punt return touchdown uh i mean you have to think that that's going to help alford's chances of winning that punt return battle particularly since you know there weren't and nobody else really impressed now it's only one preseason game's worth of punt returns so it's not like you could draw a whole lot of conclusions from that but i'm curious what more you guys, punt return yeah. touchdowns than we've seen last season yeah. you know the regular when's the last time we yeah. had a punt return touchdown it's been a long time yeah i can uh, tell you I'm Devin sorry. Hester, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I think we had <laughs> might maybe. actually be Hester. Yeah, <laughs> didn't we get one from Brandon Powell that one year? I feel like we either got one from Brandon yeah, Powell is, or that other guy. Yeah, um, this is actually a really sad question I just asked. <laughs> yeah, no, who was that returner that we had that ended up going on? He's been the returner for like the Bills now for like three years. I think he's like thirty-four. Um, so not, and, oh. Uh, you're yeah. not thinking of Andre Roberts. No. Yeah, it's Andre Roberts. Yeah, yeah. It's Andre Roberts, you are okay. Yeah, yeah. He's been. Uh, he's still kicking. He's still out there, man. Um, we get. And he was. He was a decent punt returner for us, but 
I think for us, he was like okay. And then, like, yeah. when he went, I think the Jets, he became yeah. Pro Bowl level. He crushed and like, what it. The fuck? Yeah, the next year. Yeah. It's like, geez, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah. So um, it's, it, it's so hard to tell who's going to actually like make the 53 because of what they might do. Like, for, like, for example, they might want to put CP on IR, but they're obviously not going to do that before cuts because then he'd be out for the year so you have to roster him so i was actually just looking back at some of the the moves that were made last year like you had abdullah anderson was waived you had colby gossett was waived and there was one other one uh nick Witkowski was waived but then they were all just signed right back a couple days later because they obviously needed to make room for some guys so um i've been making my 53 too i kind of have it yeah, yeah. On, on my on my phone going and i've had to make some edits to it this yeah, week based I'm on some of the things tinkering. that yeah. but um yeah. but it's basically impossible to do but you can actually you can kind of get a gist so i wouldn't be surprised if we do see godwin as one of those guys who is potentially you know waived and then signed right back if, if there is something longer term with cp for example but i didn't think you're probably almost certain to see something like that manifest somewhere on the roster yeah, they're good. They're definitely going to play games with it at the end. They're sort of letting go of some guys that they're not super concerned about losing on waivers um, to keep, you know, to potentially swap some guys. Because I I believe the, the preseason IR is the same as in-season, where if you go on the IR, you still have to miss four games at a minimum. But the clock doesn't start ticking, of course, until week one. But I know with some players, they want to... I'm not sure. I'm... I, I, that's one of the IR rules that I'm still not sure about if if you get put on the IR during preseason if it's season ending or not. But um, I'll have to clarify that. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. If you're on, if you get put on IR before cuts, you're out for the year. Yeah. So we've, yeah, we've definitely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's correct. I think that's, that's how it's correct. been for a while. But I know with COVID, they sometimes mess with some of the. Uh, oh yeah. Some of the uh, random so, stuff, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I got to bust in here to remind everyone that the last time there was a punt return touchdown, the regular season, it was Kenyon Barner, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Barner. 2019. 2019. So, all right. It's one of so the only things years. about that season. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, one of the man. only good things that happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. a bad one. Maybe uh, I, I think I've entirely <laughs> forgotten the 2019 season. I literally remember nothing about that season. And it's probably for the best. Um, uh, I, I do just want to say about that punt return touchdown. I um, <laughs> I I sort of got reminded. I reminded myself of a, the 2016 preseason when we had a a big kick returner battle, and you know there was a guy by the name of J.D. McKissick, who you know I remember he had this like 101 yard kick return touchdown while Arthur Blank was being interviewed, and you know I was <laughs> like, oh my god, like this is this guy like give him a roster spot, like you know this is incredibly explosive. This is what we've been waiting for. Then they cut him. Um, so I, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to cut D Alford, but it right. just reminded me of like, you know, what, what the hell were we doing? Like JD McKissick went on to have a really good career after that. Yeah. Yeah. A very, a very it's not like career. we were flush with talent. No, no. It's just like, Oh yeah, we don't need them. Whatever. You know, just get them out of here. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything else to say about that. It's, it's depressing. We're going to. We're gonna stay with the positivity on this show, right? We're gonna keep it, keep it rolling. <laughs> I'm, in that I'm sorry, I can't help but drag us down. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just in my nature. I know point. you're not such a hater. I just, I just we haven't even I, talked got, about Desmond Ritter yet, and I'm already. I know, dragging. yeah, he's already. I hating, will say, like, it was, it was a legitimately good punt return. I, yes, I hope he was. wins it. Like, it I mean, it was one, return. but like, it was, it was good. <laughs> it was really yeah. good, and I love the Alford. He's just such a fan favorite. He's, he's 
got an amazing story. If anybody doesn't know, he was like working in like a FedEx plant on the overnight shift while he was trying to get a break in the NFL. So um, no wonder Arthur Smith discovered him. (laughs) 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 There you go. Yeah. Great, great, great work there, guys. Great work on that one. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm trying to, I I do think D. Alford has a great chance to win that job. Certainly. Um, I was surprised that like Matthew Sexton was getting some like early work there. And like, he was actually getting some early work in the game period. Like he's like literally just got here. So it seems like they, actually like him a fair amount so that's interesting but um yeah you have to think like d alford is has a huge advantage now because like that was and he's already gonna make the roster so it sort of means like i think that's sort of like okay well i think it's like they kind of probably wanted like him to win it honestly because it's like okay well we don't need to keep anybody else special for this so i honestly think the biggest thing for him is like can he just prove to the coaches trust that he's just going to consistently catch the ball? Like, you know, like as, as a defensive back, you know, you, yeah, just yeah. Receive, you typically go with the receiver just because they're more sure-handed. That's what you're doing most of the time as a returner. So, um, yeah, I think that that could be something that comes The Eric to. Weems special right there. <laughs> Eric Weems part two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Don't, well, don't be smart, Eric Williams, on this program. We don't allow that here. <laughs> yeah. Getting no, some good throw, some good callback names tonight. He does. Yeah, yeah we're getting there's some deep cuts. That's preseason yeah, hey, content. It, it, Eric Williams yeah. 1.0 was a Pro Bowler in 2010. Eric Williams 2.0 is the Eric Williams 2.0 is the human fair catch. Yeah. It could be worse, <laughs> but he was also uh, he was yeah. also. Part of my favorite play of all time, which was Michael Turner using him as a human shield and just throwing him forward for a block. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hey, I will never forget that's an amazing that, uh, gift. Yeah. I'll never forget that yeah. kick return against the Bucks in 2010. You know, they're like cream orange jerseys. It's like, oh my God, there's no way we're gonna lose to the one in like 10 Bucks and Josh Freeman. Another deep cut name right there. Josh yeah, there you Freeman. go, man. Wow. We're, we're doing. We're diving wow. way too deep here. We got to come back up for air at this point. But, um, all right. Well, I mentioned. I say, if we want to talk about receivers, we could we could bring Amsterdam back up. Brandon yeah, yeah. Harvey, like we got all these. Yeah, Bernard however, Brady. You know, yeah. Be, because we're we're professionals, we're gonna take that, Dave, and we're gonna segue into the wide receiver five battle. Exactly. Right we're now. gonna talk about the most important away, battle on the roster, the wide receiver five. Yeah. Um, we mentioned a couple names already, right? Uh. Matthew Sexton seemed to be getting some work there. You know, Penny Hart, Josh Ali, um, maybe Xavier Malone's still a dark horse. I, I think he was like the highest rated offensive player for the Falcons in the game, actually. Uh, my, my boy, Zay Malone. 50 receiving so. yards. Yeah. Uh, two catches, 50, 50 yards. So, I mean, Zay Malone, obviously my son, um, big fan of, of Zay Malone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Josh Ali, unfortunately, had that like drop in the kind of drop in the end zone, um, which, well, again... Yeah. Maybe not his fault. It's kind of a I mean, pass he, breakup. He had that he that one, but he had that like straight drop on the deep Yeah, that's pass true. Too. That's true. That but, like that, that one could have gone for a touchdown. Like that's one of those where it's like, oh my god, he could create some real separation for this battle, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yes. Yeah. Well, and it looked like Frank Darby was gonna be a factor here too, and, and unfortunately he ends up on IR as well. So I'm curious where you guys think this battle stands? Uh, so we'll we'll go around the horn real quick and get everyone's takes, just because this is one of the this is a, the wide receiver the wide receiver battle is always fun. Everybody likes to watch the wide receivers. So Joe, where where are you leaning in in the wide receiver? Because I know you've got a roster. So who are you leaning for that that fifth spot at this stage? I mean, I wish we could like make our judgments on this based on like wide receiver things that we expect wide receivers to do in games, but yep. 
like it's that doesn't really matter so much for this roster no. spot. I thought it was really TJ Yates was really funny when he was asked about it in Miami and he was like, ask Marquise. <laughs> it's like, who's yeah. what? Some of the, I think it was Tory McLean from the Falcons, like, what's it going to take for the fifth receiver to, you know, to, who gets the fifth receiver spot? And he just said, ask Marquise Williams, who is the uh, special teams coach. Who I, and I actually asked him uh, that the other day and he kind of gave me just a boilerplate answer. But um, to get back to the question, if I had to put money on it right now, I would say it is your son, Zay Malone, Kevin, um, who was not the the one I was on to begin camp, which I thought was great at the beginning of training camp. Everybody just randomly <laughs> picked somebody or maybe not so randomly, but everybody picked it, picked their their preferred receiver that was going to make it. Mine was Slade Bolden. I still think Slade is at a, a decent camp. I think he could make the practice squad, but I think Zay is is, is more likely just because I see him as kind of um, he's in the kick return rotation when they do special teams. Like he's one of the guys returning kicks so he can do that for you. He can obviously return punts and, and do those sorts of things. So um, that's who I would go with right now. And he, and, yeah. and by the way, he, he has been making some, some, um, there has not been the ball's not been thrown deep too much in training camp, but it seems like when there is a deep reception, it typically is almost like half half chance that it's Zay Malone that's they're thrown yeah. to deep. Yeah. So because he gets open, I mean, he and and I yeah. think he's better after the catch than people think. Even though he's a smaller guy, that was something that was all over his very 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 fun college tape. But um, Division Two Henderson State shout out by the way, the uh, some hilarious tape. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would love for it to be Zay Malone, and and I wonder like if they lean that way because they're sort of looking for more team speed, which they don't necessarily have elsewhere. Like obviously mm-hmm. they have Scotty Miller, but other than Scotty Miller and Kyle Pitts as their deep threats, they don't really have anyone else to fill that role. So I I do wonder if they lean more that direction rather than keeping a bigger guy. But yeah, I, I I love Zay Malone, so I certainly won't argue with that one. Uh, Dave, where, where are you leaning? Because obviously we lost Frank Darby, uh, who I think was going to be a lot of people's favorite based on how he was performing in camp and that sort of thing. But Dave, where are you lean at this point? Yeah, I'd say uh, to me it's either Malone or Penny Hart. Uh, and I think it's really just a question of what they want. Um, to your point, like, are you going with the higher upside deep threat? who is Malone or are you going with maybe the more proven special team or which would be hard. And to me, I'd like to see them, you know, you can keep the other guy on the practice squad, right. And probably they'll stay there. If you probably will get away with that. Um, I'd like to see Malone get it. I'd like to have somebody who's a little more high upside as a receiver actually on the roster. Um, so I, I'm leaning toward him after seeing what he's done to this point. I do think, you know, it's going to depend if you're asking Marquise Williams, it it may very well be Penny Hart because we know what Penny Hart can do. Penny Hart has been in this league for several years and is a reliable player. So I think it is down to those two. And um, even thankfully he's just injured, but RIP Frank Darby, Um, you know, the last two years I was, I was sure he was going to have a bigger role and, and make the team in a way that he didn't. And he finally got his chance and here we are. So yeah, it's a bummer. absolutely tragic. Uh, so best, best wishes to, to Frank Darby, uh, who once again, I'm not going to be able to see this year, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I, I actually did see him today at practice. So he is oh, okay. still around. He was just doing some rehab, you know, they've got that other field where they have some of the injured players just working. So it was good to see him. I'm, I'm glad he's still around. He was laughing, smiling, you know, normal yeah. Frank Darby, which is great. Yeah. I think, I think they can actually play again 
as long as they get waived with an injury settlement. I think a, I think a certain amount of time has to pass before the the team that settles with them can re-sign them. But I think we've seen that before where you have to waive them with an injury settlement so they go back on the open market. You can't just like hold them on injury reserve. But um, I think that's one way you can get guys off of IR. But you have to risk them to the rest of the league to do that. You can't just like... Mm-hmm use that to sort of get around the rule but they're not so we'll, doing that we'll with matt hennessy they're not risking that no with matt hennessy. no exactly they're not going to do that with hennessy no it would be more of guys that they thought maybe they could get because you know like chris blair for instance like his he got put on ir but then waived with an injury settlement so he he's eligible to sign elsewhere if he could pass physical at this point so um so that's one thing to keep one in mind that we I... have no idea yeah go ahead dave yeah I was just gonna say one thing I want to throw in because I just saw in the chat like somebody else named as the fourth receiver. It's gonna be Hodge, right? Like to me, there's no question in my oh, mind yeah. that yeah, Daryl yeah. Hodge is making this roster. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream big about anybody else taking like the fourth slot. It's gonna be Hodge. No, I don't even think he played in the preseason game, which tells you everything you need to know. So he's he's, he's wide yeah. receiver three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's Scotty <laughs> Miller is actually yeah. wide receiver four. So um miller looks good though too let's do it yeah yeah um but yeah adnan uh are you going with the georgia state legend i I assume you are i mean as a two-time graduate of you know the great georgia state university go panthers of course i'm gonna go with penny hart you know that's my guy um but yeah no it's uh it really does come down to special teams and objectively speaking genuinely even though i am pushing a very clear and firm Penny Hart agenda since the start of training camp, very shamelessly pushing that. Um, objectively, I do think he has a really good chance of making this roster just because he is a very proven special teams player. He's, you know, he can give you a lot of work as a gunner. He was, he's been a part of that punt return competition. Uh, he's someone where, and, and, you know, this punt return competition is something where it's not just going to be, uh, all right, if D. Alford wins, then, you know, he's the only guy that can that is ever allowed to return a punt ever um, because if something happens to D Alford, you want to have some of those other guys as emergency backups. And I know they've been playing B. John Robinson in that emergency role a little bit. I don't think that they want to put B. John Robinson back there to return any kicks legitimately like this season. Um, but I mean, Penny Hart, he, he hasn't really, didn't really show much as a wide receiver. He had that nine-yard catch on on a really good route, by the way. Like I remember that route where I I think it was it was a little like curl route, and then like he saw that he was covered, and he just moved to the right instinctively a little bit, and he just gave Logan Woodside an opening, which was a really savvy and really instinctive play, which was really nice to see. But yeah, I genuinely think that this. This was starting to become Frank Darby's like role to lose, which is what really sucks about the injury. And yeah, yeah. you know, I, I really feel bad for Frank Darby because this was his best training camp by far of these three years. Like when the pads came on, Frank Darby just took it to a new level. And I even asked Arthur Smith about it in the last press conference where I was at Flowery Branch on on that last Saturday, and he's like. I know Frank's been stacking days like Frank Darby has been you know very very good obviously like the attitude the vibes are always there with Frank Darby but like the football like credentials the football prowess was catching up to those vibes you know at this like before it was just the you know the vibes and stuff but now he was like actually showing it on the field and he was the wide receiver five on the original depth chart 
Uh, Josh Ali, by the way, the wide receiver six on that original depth chart. So I, I do think it's important to mention that, uh, that the coaches have been impressed with what he's done. He's definitely not going anywhere. But this this competition's really fun. Like this is this is always one of the most fun competitions uh, every year in preseason. And this year especially, I have no idea how it's going to play out. Like, I think right sitting here right now on, what, August 16th, I would guess that it – I would assume it'll be Penny Hart. But I have no idea. Every single day in training camp, it seems like a new guy was stepping up and a new guy was having just an incredible day. And it, it it's just like nobody has been able to separate themselves. And I think Josh Ali had the opportunity to start separating himself if he didn't have that drop because that genuinely could have been a touchdown catch. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be fun and we, we're not even close to deciding it. Like we still have another two preseason. I think this will, this may come down to, you know, the fourth quarter of that last preseason game. Like this is a genuinely a very, very fun competition. And I hate it for Frank Darby because I, I think that this was, this was the year for him to really sort of start putting it all together and, you know, just it just sucks that that an injury sort of robs him of that because even if this injury isn't very huge, hugely long term, I think it was a hamstring. It's still an injury that you can't afford to have when you're in this tight of uh, this tight of a competition. Like you cannot afford to miss two or three weeks right now if you're one of like seven guys who's vying for this, you know, wide receiver five position, which is you know maybe the fiftieth man on the roster at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's it's a tough, tough call there for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's other guys in the mix too. Like, I mean, Josh Ali, obviously, I think is, is there. I, I think he was the favorite maybe going into camp, but hasn't necessarily impressed as much as those other guys that we mentioned. And then I think I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is right sort of in the mix too. Uh, but again, he seems like more of a practice squad guy just because they seem like they already have like, we've got like four of this guy. Like we've got, you know, we've got... London and we've got Mac Hollins and we got Kaderil Hodge were all these bigger receivers. So I think they sort of maybe are looking for something a little bit different um, for those other two spots, like not necessarily trying to just get like five of the same guy out there. Um, And they all have like six tight ends anyway. Exactly. So So it's like, okay, (laughs) maybe we have enough size. Like I know that's hard to say, obviously for, for Arthur Smith, maybe you can never have enough, but uh, in this case, maybe, but we did get a, a good question here from mad Tom K, which is a good, good way to sort of, uh, close out here uh mad says with the five dollars by the way thanks so much mad uh which rookie including udfas impressed you the most against miami so overall who was the most impressive uh joe as the guest of honor i'll let you get the first crack oh gosh the rookie udfas is godwin i mean is godwin uh, is he a udfa i don't even know if he's a they don't have to be a udfa it could be any rookie or a udfa so it could be the draft picks played for the lions a lot I don't was it last year that he played for the Lions or was it no last year was the Seahawks two years ago I'll, I'll allow it though if you want to go with God yeah. I mean, he's like a new yeah. player to the team yeah I'd say yeah I would go with him I mean uh, no particular reason over other guys I just you know he obviously obviously stood out um I do want to talk about the third quarterback but what we can yeah, get, yeah, we can get back yeah. to that Okay. I, th- I yeah. think I think Woodside's like a lock to make this roster. By the way. Okay. I think they're yeah. gonna go with him, use use him on the fifty three. He's too he's too important to give away. To I, I think Arthur Smith has invested too much into him. I think he likes him too much. 
Sorry, Toledo that's getting legend. away from the question. No, Toledo legend. Yeah, well, we can we can close out with that. Yeah, yeah, that Maction. Yeah, he's been watching too much Maction late in the that's week. That's right. So. Yeah, he loves yeah. the Maction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave, who who was the the most impressive rookie or, or UDFA? We'll say new player to the team, uh, in, in the preseason game for you. Uh, to me, it was Demarco Hellams, and, and I think you know shades of he's not the same player, but Kamal Ishmael to me was like. The guy that I always loved, you know, came in as a seventh rounder, was a physical safety, did a lot of great things on special teams, uh, started some games, obviously, maybe too many games for them um, for one reason or another. But, you know, a glue guy, guy you could count on to get the job done. And I see a lot of that with Helms. He he really impressed me. He looked, you know, extremely solid as a tackler, just did a really nice job, knows what he's doing, physical player. Um, and obviously he has special teams value. He's able to make some instinctive big plays. Um, I thought that interception was a nice, nice play, obviously aided by Trey Flowers. But to me, he was the guy that, you know, coming in, I was like, okay, a special teamer with some upside maybe. And basically throughout camp and now into preseason, um, I, I've been really impressed with him. And I think he's done a lot to make this roster. And he was the guy that, that probably out of everybody that's new stood out to me the most. Yeah, no, that's a good one too. And he, he gives me like shades of Kamal Ishmael, UCF legend Kamal Ishmael. So similar, like very physical safety, a lot of special teams value. Um, Kamal Ishmael actually ended up, I think, converting to linebacker when he left Atlanta, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, but I do th- I do think he- Hellebs is more like cover, like he's able to cover more than, than Ishmael was, but certainly more of that box type safety. Um, yeah, Adnan who you got as the, uh, the top rookie and or UDFA. Uh, um, I'm going to go with, the, I'm going to go with the UDFA and I, I just want to give him a shout out as a name we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Natrone Brooks, Natrone Brooks has impressed me throughout training camp. Uh, he, he had that sack uh, toward the end of the game there. Um, but just in general, he has, he he's really sort of stood out to me uh, on some plays. Like in camp, I remember specifically on on that last Saturday, it was that last drill, the two minute drill, where you know the first team went out there, the second team went out there, and then Logan Woodside was leading the third teamers out there um, against the third team defense. And uh, this was a day when when the secondary was absolutely stifling. Like the quarterbacks just could not really get anything going, and I remember there was a sequence. There were five passes, five different passes thrown uh, in a row from, from Logan Woodside. I think this was 11 on 11s. And four of them were incomplete. All four of them, which were incomplete, were all passes where Natron Brooks was the primary man in coverage. Um, and two of them, I think he had a couple of pass deflections. Two of them were, were deep passes, which where he was, you know, step by step with the wide receiver. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to guarantee that Natron Brooks is going to make this roster. I do think it's it's a vicious, vicious battle, you know, toward the end of that cornerback depth chart at this point. Like, I don't think it's it's a guarantee that Cornell Armstrong is going to make it. I don't think, I don't even think it's a guarantee that Darren Hall is going to make it. Right. Um, just because of some of these guys who are really standing out, like Natron Brooks, uh, Breon Borders was mentioned earlier today. Like, these guys in the secondary are out here making plays and it just feels contagious from uh from the that starting secondary and it, it just like you know they're out there dominating the first teamers and then it sort of feels contagious to everywhere else uh, around the depth chart um 
I, I do think Natron Brooks, if he doesn't make it, I, I think he's definitely a, a candidate for the practice squad. Yeah, for sure. And he's a guy that can play both safety and corner. So you think that versatility certainly helps him in that regard. Um, we saw Lucas Dennis also make a play. We didn't really call his name much at training camp because he was overworking with the third, fourth string group, but uh, XFL star Lucas Dennis. So maybe he's someone we should pay more attention to as well. Yeah. And with me, oh. I mean, I'll go with, yeah, I'll go with my boy, of course, Sam Malone, um, you know, had the most receiving yards of anyone had those two great catches. Um, and I think, you know, we'll see how much noise he can make. Can he make enough to basically force the team to put him on the roster? I, I still think he's probably ticketed for the squad as you know, even though I've been like leading the charge, I sort of feel like they're going to go with more of a special teams focused guy, like a penny heart at this stage. But I, I think Zay Malone has the most upside of this group for sure. So I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they're like, we can't really risk this guy on the waiver wire. We need to keep, keep another deep threat around in our back pocket. Um, and I think in time, you know, he's a guy that you can trust to do those special teams things as well. But that fifth receiver is probably not going to be active on game day anyway. So it's like, maybe right. it doesn't really matter how much special teams you play. You have to be able to check the box if you're active, but you're not going to be a core special teams contributor at that point. So um, oh, Ke Kevin, Kevin, if we really want to utilize deep threats, we need a quarterback that's going to throw the ball. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I had to get it out there. Okay. Yeah. But we didn't talk about Ritter at all because he didn't play. So I know Adnan had to get his dig in before the show ended. So, okay. Well, on the quarterback topic though, I know uh, Joe, you had some thoughts on the third quarterback and it, I think it's a really interesting conversation because of that new rule too. So, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it happens without the new rule that, that Logan Woodside would be on the roster. But I think when you look at, you know, Arthur Smith, he wants his quarterback to be mobile, you know, and potentially take hits. Ritter is not the biggest guy. Heineke, obviously, we've seen him kind of get banged up before. So not to say that these guys are injury prone, but just to say that, you know, that, that third quarterback, you, it's, it's a nice kind of safety blanket to have. And I think that you know, Adnan, you saw it up close and personal, Logan Woodside, you know, really taking command of the team. And I thought that you saw yeah. him really operate really well in this game against the Dolphins. And I think Arthur Smith was is probably hiding a, a lot of the praise for him. I don't think he wants to kind of go over the top, like praising Woodside too much. But I think that he is really impressed and he certainly keeps players accountable, which is, you know, what you want any quarterback to do. And I think sometimes you have these third quarterbacks who – don't feel that kind of confidence to be able to do that or they're rookies or they're inexperienced guys. I just think that Woodside fits a lot of boxes that, that Arthur Smith likes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, remember the moment with Penny Hart, uh, yeah. <laughs> where Penny Hart was celebrating and then like Woodside literally threw his helmet on the ground. He was absolutely furious at him. I think that was the most emotional I've seen anyone at camp. And I don't say emotional in a bad way. It's something that you want to see out of any of your quarterbacks, out of any of your signal callers. Like, yeah, and I mean, Woodside didn't throw Penny Hart under the bus in the interview afterwards. Yep. He's just went he's a out professional. there and like, yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. didn't execute correctly, and you know that that's that's all it was. And I mean, I think it's the perfect reaction you wanted to see out of your quarterback. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's it's a good. It wouldn't surprise me either because of the new rule, and it's at this point, it's like I don't know how seriously they take that new rule, but given how much trust trust they clearly place in Woodside and. Um, the fact that they didn't even bother to have a fourth quarterback around. A lot of teams keep a fourth quarterback for camp. The Falcons just didn't even bother, really, outside of like, have, a couple. We have Felipe Franks on the team. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we had, say, like, Austin on. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's the Felipe Franks memorial spot at this point. Yes, so. we have to keep hold that open <laughs> forever. Yep, the fourth spot is exactly. forever. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Arthur Franks. Smith is going to go out there and say, we're only going to run 52 men on this roster. The 53rd man is in honor of Felipe <laughs> Franks. Yes, pour He's one out for spirit. Felipe. Yeah, pour one out for Felipe. But uh, no, I, I think that is an interesting question, and I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you're right about that, that they do end up going with that third quarterback just because of the rule and because, like, you know, you'd think he would be claimed just sitting out there um, given what he's shown already and, and sort of the, you know, teams need, I mean, I think he could be a quarterback too somewhere. And I think he was the quarterback too at times for the Titans, you know, behind Tannehill. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see how this, how that, how that goes and, and if they do end up keeping him, but I think he's certainly worthy of that. Um, if you yeah, do that, of yeah. course, you're, you're, you're just, you got to take a risk. So, so I have them actually like not keeping Godwin or Carlos Washington. That's kind of like the, yeah, that's, that's, that's where you kind of take away from that. And then, you know, hopefully you can, you know, keep them on the practice squad or elevate right. them at some point in the season. You need them. Yeah. They could go that route or maybe like eight offensive linemen instead of nine. Some teams do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, or you just don't keep a fullback and you make Parker Hesse the full-time fullback. So, <laughs> he could do everything he's integral we know so he the offense can't work without him but. I mean, so i actually I, I was thinking about this today yeah with you know the 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 additions to this offense is is keith smith and parker hesse a redundancy i mean in some respects it probably is but keith smith is a really important special teams player obviously both these players were super important for the team last year it's just something i'm thinking about because you have all these guys who you want to you want to keep so i don't know yeah they, they do line yeah, the tight end yeah, go williams, ahead yeah please sorry um, no, go I, ahead. I was gonna say i feel like marquise williams has a i don't want to say unusually prominent voice but definitely a prominent voice with these guys so to me if keith smith is a really valuable special teamer but not as good a blocker as parker hesse which i don't think anybody's going to argue with um they'll probably still keep Keith Smith, just because he's so integral for Williams, and and that seems to be a, an important factor. But I, I think, you know, in a world where every roster spot should be a bit of a dogfight, like I see where you're going with it. I like the thought. Um, I think they could easily get away without keeping a fullback. I just think that, again, because of Smith's value as a special teamer, he price sticks. I tend to yeah, agree. yeah. That that's sort of yeah. the crux of it is that if Smith was just like a fullback. That would be one thing, but he's such a right. key special teamer that, you know, you sort of think that they'll, as long as he can play, they'll, they'll keep a spot warm for him uh, as long as he continues playing at that, at that level. Um, yeah, guys, uh, great job. I think we covered all the main points from that preseason game. Um, there were a couple other notes that I just wanted to, to touch on briefly. Uh, obviously we say goodbye to Michael Walker, who was waived after the game that didn't really shock me considering what happened in the game where, uh, I think Michael Walker was the lowest graded defensive player. Uh, and when you're like a well, second string, a little oh. lower. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, th- th- there was no yeah. need for me to even mention that. I could have. Wow, just Coco Ture like, catching strays. Hey, okay. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, so it seems like the writing was on the wall there. Um, and, and that was an interesting one because I think we talked about it all off season. It's like, okay, like I, I felt like one of the three, like Jalen Hawkins, Michael Walker, or Matt Hennessy was going to get cut because of the savings. And like, you know, we'll, but I didn't know which one. And then 
very quickly it seemed to be like okay michael walker's probably gonna be the one um so they do actually save some money from that move too which is probably why they were eager to do it um and we'll see if anybody else that you know they brought in frank ginda a usfl legend uh but honestly i think this is probably something that they're just going to watch final cuts and bring in a vet we'll see which one it is but i think that's likely to happen alongside nate nate Lamon, um seeming to be the third linebacker so we'll see how that goes um and of course we saw adeo gandeji placed on ir we already talked about frank darby on ir um and then matt hennessy also placed on ir so these are guys that we're gonna be without uh so a lot of injuries this week there haven't been a bunch of corresponding moves yet, particularly for the Hennessy one. Um, so it, it, you know, we'll see what happens there. Do they go and, and go out and try to get a, a veteran, you know, swing guard, or do they go after that swing tackle that everyone's been clamoring for and elevate some other guys? Not really sure, but that that's sort of the housekeeping related stuff that that we've had to deal with this week. Unfortunately, getting some more injuries in here, so we'll see what the team ends up doing with some of these new roster spots. Um. Sad to see Michael Walker go. I'll just say, you know, as yeah. someone who covers the team, great guy in the locker room, yeah, yeah. super nice, always like willing to talk. And, you know, as someone, as a journalist, you just appreciate guys like that. So um, it's a shame, but I'm, you know, I'm glad he, you know, got picked up in Chicago and yeah. wish nothing but the best for him. Troy Anderson yeah. today was talking about just like how much he loves the guy. Um, yeah. So I think it was sad for some of these linebackers to see him go. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who, you know, went to a few training camp sessions. They said that, you know, Michael Walker was the nicest guy. Like, you know, he'll, he came up there, long conversation with them, and just, you know, was giving uh, was giving uh, the fans the time of day every, every single day as well. Yeah, he, he did seem like a genuinely good guy. And that's the thing, like, all these guys, like like Frank Darby, loved by pretty much everyone, um, really fun personality. Michael Walker, loved by everyone. Um, you know, Ogun Deji, I think, very, very friendly, very popular as well. So it's you always hate to see it with these guys. Um, you know, the, the only thing is like, if they're on IR, they're probably sticking around for at least another season. Um, the, you know, it seems likely that they'll probably be brought back, you know, next year, futures contract type type stuff. Um, it does give them a chance to stick with the team when maybe some of them we would have had to cut. Maybe they do end up on the practice squad or whatever, but they can at least, the team can keep them close at least. So, mm-hmm. um, so there's maybe a silver lining there for some of these guys, uh, that they'll get maybe another shot next year. Um, but never want to see injuries, obviously. Um, yeah, guys, really appreciate everyone for, for hanging out with us all, almost a hundred of you on deep within the preseason here. I know everyone's getting geared up, uh, for the regular season. That's just what, three weeks away now, four weeks away. So we're, we're almost there. I think it's less than four weeks. So yeah, September uh, 10th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're getting close. Uh, so guys, thank you so much. Um, please like subscribe if you haven't done so already. Really appreciate those metrics. Leave a comment if you're uh, so inclined, if you're listening to the podcast audio, leave us that five-star review on your platform of choice. Really appreciate that. Uh, if you are a patron uh, or are wanting to become a patron, uh, make sure if you're uh, that you fill out the form to join the fantasy leagues. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to start those like soon, like within the next couple days. So if you haven't filled out the form yet or let me know that you're planning to play, please do that immediately. Um, if you're trying to sign up to join the fantasy leagues, you need to do that like tonight or tomorrow or friday if you want to do that patreon.com slash alcoholic live if you want to do that absolutely fine just you know a couple more days is the 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 time you have left so um and uh, yeah we'll get the drafts for those going probably on monday so excited for that i think we're gonna have three leagues this year because we got so many people clamoring to get in so uh fun stuff there um and yeah 
we will uh, we will be back for a post game show after Friday's preseason game. Uh, we're gonna be you know pausing the play by play for the time being, so uh, we, we're not gonna get into that tonight. But you know when we when we have an update, we'll give you guys an update. So we will at least be doing a post game show, however. So look for that. I'll be on with uh, Jordan Watkins after this game. I know. Uh, so we will be uh, yeah excited to to break that down. Hopefully another big dub. But uh, yeah, before we sign off, I want to thank everyone for coming on tonight. First of all, our, our guest of honor, Joe Patrick, at jpatrick uh, 200929games Atlanta Falcons reporter, as well as the editor over at Dirty South Soccer. Uh, yeah, Joe, anything else you'd like to plug before we sign off? Uh, no, just, um, you know, if you're in the Atlanta area, 929 the game, uh, you might catch me on there. I, I wish I could kind of promote something for me with the station <laughs> specifically, but they just kind of call me randomly and be like, hey, can you jump on, you know, here in an hour? So you might catch yeah. me. I'm on like every every Thursday at 120 with Andy and Randy. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Nice, good plug. Well, uh, Company well, man. Well, yeah. well, we're going to write the station to give Joe his own uh, his own show. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you can use this, you know, use this I'll be on, show well, how knowledgeable. Yeah. When the regular season starts, I'll be on the Wade, it's called the Wade Ford Tailgate Show, which is the pregame to the pregame show. So you can catch me there. Nice, nice. Definitely check that out, guys. Uh, we also have with us, of course, the boss man, Dave Choate at Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything you'd like to plug before we sign off tonight? Um, no, just the uh, the preseason coverage and the roster cutdowns, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think the team, and by which I mean our team does a great job every year uh, with the coverage and you know it's nice to get back in the swing of it so hopefully you're you're enjoying what we're doing and uh, keep tuning in and reading absolutely uh, yeah good good plug there Dave Adnan Ikich is my co-host he's at say which way uh, Adnan anything you'd like to plug uh, yeah I just uh, wrote my annual well annual this is the second year I'm doing it uh, article about Atlanta's franchise cornerstones going into uh, the new season. So that, that just went up today. So uh, yeah, uh, check that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Well guys really appreciate everyone. Appreciate Adnan, Dave, and of course our special guest, Joe Patrick guys. Uh, we will be back. Like I said, Friday night after the game, nice and late uh, for that post game coverage. And of course we will be, continuing to provide you guys that sweet sweet content all the way through the preseason and of course into the regular seasons we will see you then tonight's show was brought to you by bet online we will see you next time on the falcoholic live folks thank you so much i'm kevin knight at falcoholic kevin the site is thefalcoholic.com for all that sweet sweet written content we will see you next time have a great night folks <laughs>